Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 87 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. After a one-week absence, I apologize. A little bit of a technical difficulty kind of thing with my schedule and technology, all those fun things. But we're back after a one-week absence, and uh, joining me today is the great Eric Cole. What's up, Eric? Hey, man. How are you? Uh, we're just living the dream, man. Uh, you and I were just talking before we started talking here, and uh, not a ton to go on this week. I will say that at the top. It's not going to be our heaviest content episode of all time, but a couple things to hit on here. I have I have enjoyed the League Championship Series. I will say that. You know, you know, the Dodgers just kind of you know throttled the Cubs, but you know the, the Yankees-Astros Series is really good. Like, there's good baseball being played, just you know, not involving the Braves, so I'm kind of enjoying taking a step back and kind of getting to enjoy the rest of the league. Yeah, I'm going to get your uh, World Series prediction at the end of this podcast for sure. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of that, a little bit of that at the end. But uh, we are here to talk about the Braves um, for the most part, at least. And you know, it's everything's sort of in this holding pattern with the uh, investigation uh, being wrapped up or will will be wrapping up, and nothing uh, formal being announced. Uh, we do know uh, in, in between the last time we talked uh, on the podcast and now that Brian Snicker will be back. According to a bunch of sources, even though the the uh, Braves didn't really, it's one it's it's one of those four things where they're not really supposed to make news, but they ended up making news anyway with bringing Snip back. And uh, now there's the uh, stuff from Dave, Dave O'Brien and, uh, and other people talking about the uh, coaching staff changes. Uh, Dob is reporting that both Terry Pendleton and Eddie Perez will be gone, and the Braves are basically just waiting until the World Series is over to make that announcement because that's sort of the uh, protocol. Um, and the uh, the latest there is that Walt Weiss, former Brave shortstop is likely to be the hire yeah. as the bench coach there. So, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, here's my thing about this. is like, First of all, the idea of retaining Brian Snitker and like saying he's going to be the manager next year before the general manager decision has been made is really weird, right? Like, it, it seems like you, you don't want to, like, if you're trying to sell candidates on being, like, a candidate for the position, th- these are, like, guys you might want to be able to put their own guys in if they want to, not necessarily making, like, hard decisions on coaching staffs and things like that. And instead, it's like they're just saying, you know, there's it's going to be, like, a forced whittling of their candidates, and it might not be always the best people. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess the the sticker hire was the was the the sticker being retained, even if like the the new general manager had come in and said, "I would actually prefer if Snicker stayed on for another year," I, that'd be one thing. But the Braves making that decision before they have a general manager in place, it, it's a little weird to me. That said, I'm not particularly surprised about Terry Pendleton and Eric Perez being gone. I know they're fan favorites. Uh, I know Terry Pendleton in particular was a really good player for um for the Braves when he was around, but. He seems kind of like this super old school, you know, 
is very dismissive of, of analytics in general, and I don't know if he's necessarily connected particularly well uh, with like younger players, in especially. So, I mean, I, I guess it's not that surprising. Uh, I know that Walt Weiss has been kind of that that name has been bantered around a lot. He was the, you know with the with the Rockies, and he was the, he was the manager for the Rockies, right? Yeah, like yeah. He he wasn't just a coach there. That was one you of know. the things that we that we've heard is that the Braves want a former manager as the bench coach, and that's the one thing that Terry Pellington was not is a former manager. So that's you know obviously Weiss has the Atlanta connections anyway, having played here. Um, but at the same time, I think they at least some, at least according to the reporting, the, the Braves do want that strong sort of second voice. They do have Rob Washington, obviously, but just having that bench coach is more of that sort of second manager role type, and it looks like they. I mean, at least from the report that we have to kind of go on is that they've centered on Weiss, which makes it makes some sense on some levels. It does. And I know that the recent reporting is that the the other coaching position that they want will be kind of like an outfielder or base running type guy. I don't really know what, what guys out there really profile as that. Uh, I know that like, you know, Wash is, you know, could be a, a reasonably good base running coach because that was kind of part of his game when he was a player. And, you know, he's like for those types of drills and things like that, you know, he, he could be good. I just don't know exactly kind of what the structure of the coaching staff they want to have. Uh, and again, going back to it, I, especially considering you don't really know what the general, the new general manager is going to want to do. So it seems like some of the decisions that they're making don't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, others make sense in a vacuum, but at the same time, the structure of the team and how it's going to be managed is something that we don't know yet. Uh, unless they kind of already know who's going to be in place and they, you know, they can't announce it yet or they don't want to announce it yet. Uh, be, whether it be from the investigation or the fact that you know the playoffs are ongoing and MLB doesn't really like big coaching decisions and changes being made uh, kind of as the playoffs are going down, uh, although that hasn't stopped several other teams from doing the same thing. Right. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation. And in terms of like you know be, between like bench coach and you know first base, third base, and all that stuff, uh, those are kind of minimal impact hires in, in a lot of respects. But at the same time, I'm not really sure. I guess I'm not really sure what the point is if you don't really have a, a set idea as to kind of what you're going to be doing going forward. Yeah, I, I don't like what they've done in that it does. They've uh, they've talked about you know numerous times sort of the uncertainty, even the uncertainty with John Hart um, not being under contract, all this weirdness. But that it didn't stop them from hiring Snit, as you mentioned and keeping him around. And now they're seemingly making coaching decisions um, without knowledge of who's going to be the front office head so it's just all very sort of backwards and frustrating because you just don't know what the process is behind the scenes obviously you think that john hart is running the ship because he is but at the same time he's not under contract to do that and they there's been this like very outward flirtation with dayton moore all this stuff and you just kind of don't know what's going on there um and at some point they're gonna have to hire a gm because i don't think hart wants to do that um, it's just one of the things where he's kind of in that role at the moment. We'll see how long he stays in that role in the, in the day-to-day thing. And there's all the, um, the Chuck, the, the Chuck Hernandez stuff as well. The pitching coach, uh, who DOB is reporting, uh, will likely be back, uh, after some weirdness there, there had been some, uh, some buzz that he could, that he could be on the outs and there's about a lot of pitching coach changes around major league baseball. Uh, I will, I will cop to the fact that I don't really know a ton about Chuck Hernandez still to this point, you know, the results have not been fantastic. But at the same time, like it's hard to really just singularly blame a pitching coach with a, a pretty small sample um, on the pitching side. But I don't know. Do you have thoughts on Chuck Hernandez and whether he should be back and, and sort of the the reality that he probably will be now? I know that a lot of the organizational guys and a lot of the players in the minor leagues really like Chuck Hernandez. He really got into their development and you know seemed to do a lot for a lot of different guys uh, in terms of like you know providing feedback, giving advice, things like that. You know it for. 
one year for a pitching coach is is nothing and you, you know what i mean like and it's not like chuck hernandez is not going to fix bartolo Colon. you know what i mean he's like it, there's only so much that that can be that, that is fixable uh and that can be hung on a pitching coach um get, you know give him a year or two and if there now if there were like things in terms of like you know not getting along with members of the organization or like actively not getting wrong, getting along or working well with the pitching staff. I just haven't heard any of that stuff. It's just more of a kind of when people get upset about Chuck Hernandez, it's almost too results oriented. When we're talking about, you know, not, not a ton of the, the Braves best pitching prospects that come up and, you know, guys like Sean Newcomb and Lucas Sims, they, they, they did okay. Um, you know, Mike Fulton, a is, is this kind of, is this enigma that, you know, regardless of what pitching coach he's been under, hasn't necessarily, you know, has been inconsistent at best. Uh, but he certainly has the stuff. Uh, would I have preferred better results? Yes. But again, in terms of like those lower coaching roles and co- and like hanging results on them, I, I'm a little bit skeptical, especially in like a super small sample size where, you know, this is like his first year doing the job and we're expecting him to, you know, make miracles happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about that position, uh, just from especially from the casual fans' perspective, is that you know nobody's going to know enough to actually analyze that. And I'll be the first to tell you that I don't. Um, you kind of only can go by the information that you have and uh, and what you hear. I mean, that's value, the value of information. I, th- I know you and I both talk to people that are probably close enough to know. Um, but at the same time, that's just talking to people that we think and we trust, but it's not our own information, if that makes sense. So, sure. And that's even, I mean, obviously we're more plugged in than the, than the basically than the normal fan would be. And it ends up, as you said, there being very results oriented. Um, and a lot of that's just not having a ton of talent. If the Braves had uh, the guys they used to have, I mean, look no further than, than Leo Mazzoni to see uh, kind of the, uh, the reputation of someone who was fantastic in Atlanta and sort of praised as like a Hall of Fame level pitching coach because he had you know, three of the best pitchers of all time. And then when he went when he went elsewhere, it didn't always go that well. Does that mean he's suddenly a bad pitching coach? Does that mean he's suddenly a great pitching coach in Atlanta because he had great pitchers? Uh, it's all it's all nuanced and very difficult to talk about. And that's I just use Mazzoni as an obvious example because of, that's the Braves connection. But, yeah, yeah, and he and he definitely has some interesting ideas on how pitchers should train and oh yeah, you know, all, all, I mean like and, and now interesting. I don't know if they're good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's just it. Sure, it's it's just kind of it's. In terms of how much control a pitching coach has over an individual player's success, and by the time they get to the major leagues, uh, color me skeptical. Let me just put it that way. Uh, now, Leo obviously had that reputation, but you know, if you'll notice, Leo Mazzoni wants to be in the major leagues coaching, and he's not a coach right now. You know what I mean? Is that because he's results oriented, or is it because of the ideas that he has, or it's because he's you know he, he's he's a very opinionated guy? There's a lot of things going on with that situation, and. There's going to be things that we're privy to and we're not privy to in terms of Hernandez. Uh, but I will say that I, I, I am confident in saying that there are lots of people in the organization, players and personnel, that, that like Chuck and think he will do a good job. Um, and I'm not willing to really judge him in a small sample size on a team that wasn't very good. Yep, I'm 100%, 100% with you on that. I think there was, there's been some... Uh some minor outrage from the fan base that at least that we interact with on that. I, I will say that I, I have no outrage on Chuck Hernandez either way. If they had moved on from him, I wouldn't have batted an eye. And if they kept him, I don't bat an eye either. So we'll see what, how, what that looks like. But, uh, you know, when, when we're leading a podcast in October with uh, coaching changes, it's usually because there's nothing else to talk about. And it's because, <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, there's all the, all the information about who's being interviewed by MLB. You know, John Hart was interviewed. All this stuff, and we'll, but you know, sort of the, the general overriding thing now is that we're in this holding pattern until 
I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. You know, and you and I were talking about this before we recorded, but um, we might start seeing some leaks coming out of the investigation when we, as we get closer to the end of the World Series because they're never going to make an actual announcement on this stuff until after the World Series is over. I think that's no. sort of been the party line. But we may maybe we'll hear little bits bits and pieces from from very connected writers and things like that um, as we get closer to that. But you know, in terms of an actual final piece. I mean, it's going to be a couple of weeks still because, I mean, even if this World Series is a four-game sweep, which I don't think it's going to be, uh, that's still another week away before we could actually hear anything. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm just – I guess I'm a little bit surprised in the sense that the Braves have been trying to put on some – like some front of stability and saying, you know, like this was a bad, this was a bad actor and, you know, it was like it was a small part of a – organization that did things that they weren't maybe they weren't supposed to do and i'm sure that you know kind of in the process of this investigation the braves are trying to make it abundantly clear that you know there's lots of teams that violate the international at the very least the spirit of the international rules uh and you know all these other teams do this and you know there, i'm sure there's a lot of you know well i know this team did this and are you going to punish us and not them you know there's a there's a ton of that stuff happening what i i guess what i understand is like there other than Every once in a while, getting a little piece of a like, you know, like this interview is happening this week, is like the Braves have just been silent for the most part. You know what I mean? And it kind of lets the narrative just go wild. You know, all we really hear about are the occasional story from Ken Rosenthal about how crazy and divided things are in that front office. And if you got rid of one of the reasons why there is so much division in the front office because of John Coppola, which again, that's the line that may not be exactly what's going on, but let's just assume that that's what it is. It just seems like there would be an attempt by the Braves, whether that be media relations, whether that be the front office or whoever, just to kind of instill confidence and, you know, be a little more open and transparent about, you know, with their fans. Because right now what's happening is like, everyone's just speculating wildly and getting some sort of information or at least some sort of direction as to what the Braves thinking is and what the plan is going forward. That would be helpful because Right now, it's just kind of like, well, we just have to wait for something to happen and wait for the hammer to drop, and there's just none of that coming out right now. None. Yeah, I, they've def- they've definitely have not done a ton, a ton of that kind of uh, outreach kind of stuff, which you know, in some ways, makes you think that they may be quiet for a reason. Uh, but at the same time, like we don't want to speculate, and that's not what we're going to do here. I mean, that's that's for offline conversation and kind of just throwing ideas around, which is kind of irresponsible for us to do in this platform. So you know, I'm sure I have to. I, I know I have thoughts. I'm sure you do too, and some yep. some stuff like that. But there's not really that um, avenue to share them at this point in time without more information. So um, yeah, that, and that's just it. I mean, like we like you know, you're you're not going to see us on Talking Chop being like, we this is what we think is going to happen, or this is what we think because we don't know. I mean, it did happen. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's just it. We don't know, but there's lots of people doing it <laughs> at the same time. And well, if but my thing is, if we if we did that, even if we couched it in the in the uh, the loosest possible terms, like this is you know in big bold letters, this is what we think and not what we know. People are going to run with it as if it's us reporting something, and we're yep. not reporting things. So that's why we don't do it. That's just a, a little bit of a look behind the curtain there, because you know we're not. I mean, I, I, we're going to do analysis and we're going to do baseball stuff and talk about what we think about when it when it comes to like whether a player is good at baseball or not. But at the same, like when it comes to like this kind of specifics and what happened in the front office, like unless you know, you know, you don't know. It's kind of. I mean, we all have thoughts, and as we kind of said there, but um, no one's going to tell me that I'm reporting something, which is <laughs> that's what's, that's kind of where I am with this. And we, and we and we get asked every day. Every day. All day every long. day, every day. What's <laughs> happening with the investigation? Like I'm, like I'm sitting there in MLB's room, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't have anything, and you know, 
again, some some guidance from the Braves or at least, you know, something else to talk about other than just, you know, speculating on how bad this is going to be. It's it's not fun uh, for us. This is, this is you know in terms of reporting for the Brave on the Braves. This is this has been a pretty tough tough few weeks, I think, and I think Brad would agree. Oh, for sure. And listen, I mean, I, you you never know how much this uh, this actually is going to stick. But um, there's been a lot of people that I think are like have I mean I even follow and interact with on Twitter that are kind of I don't want to say bailing on the Braves as fans, but there's there's a little bit of that minutia right now and like towards movement towards that area like i'm not sure if that's going to stick because it's the offseason you know if baseball comes back in april and your team that you right. always liked is playing baseball then that's different but there's been some i mean more movement than i've ever seen in that direction just based on kind of put, put, uh, put, putting putting ronald acuna in the starting outfield would probably do a lot of, it would. <laughs> a lot of good listen I'm, I'm sure that a lot of the people that are talking about that um would not stick to it when it comes that way. But just even this, you don't usually see the even movement and the discussion of it from people that I would deem as like pretty informed, reasonable baseball fans. Like this is not like the dregs of Twitter that I'm talking about. This is people that I regularly interact with that are kind of fed up. And I, you know, again, I'm not going to tell you that's going to definitely stick, but at the same time, um, yeah, it was, it feels bad. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of those things where you kind of can't get away from it. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to talk only about that. So let's get on some actual baseball stuff because I know we have a couple, we got a couple questions and a couple of uh, things to hit on other than that. But, you know, we have, we have to leave with that until otherwise noted. So there yep. it is. Um, you know, the Arizona falling is happening and that's kind of in your wheelhouse. Uh, we, we, didn't, we haven't talked about like anything specific to talk about here because it's all very small sample. You know, I guess what teams have played like six, seven, eight games now. Uh, the Arizona Fall League. Uh, just about, yeah. Uh, is there anything that you that you've seen that jump, jump off the page? Do you know we're, we're doing our uh, our normal recap stuff at Talking Chop, so check check those out as well. But anything pop to mind as something worth discussing in your in your area of expertise there? Uh, well, just a couple things. One, uh, Garrett uh, Garrett Spain is the one that's kind of doing our uh, AFL coverage this year, uh, and he's going to be doing he does updates on Thursdays and Mondays. Uh, so tomorrow there'll be another one kind of as what's going going on. The biggest thing that's been jumping off the page is that Alex Jackson is just gone nuts that's like the one uh, thing his, that i've actually seen <laughs> yeah yeah he's been he's been hitting a bunch of home runs and he's been hitting really well kind of had like a slow start but again we're talking about small sample size so like a slow start is like two games you know what i mean um ronald acuna has been hitting reasonably well uh the power hasn't really been there like this this first stretch but again it's been a long season for him he had to, he played winter ball this past year too in addition to like the first season where he'd actually like gone the entire season a full season ball with playing but he's still been playing well uh, you know, scoring runs, doing doing Ronald Acuna things. Uh, other than hitting home runs, he's been doing just about all the stuff he normally does. Uh, Max Fried's been pitching pretty well, uh, as has Tuki Toussaint. Uh, Tuki uh, had two really good starts, and then followed by one where he hit, he gave up two home runs. But uh, keep something to keep in mind about the AFL: it is kind of hitter friendly. So you have to kind of when when pitchers put up good results, you kind of, it kind of gets you almost a little bit more notice. Uh, but also, they're all pitching in shorter stints. So in terms of like when you see things like velocity numbers and you know like the, the strikeout numbers and things like that, everything's going to play up a little bit because these guys are only throwing two or three innings. Uh, this is all about reps and just getting guys more and more, just get, getting them some more pitches against live competition, uh, which is going to be really helpful for guys like Max Freed who missed a little bit of time, Tukey who kind of is trying to catch up developmentally, especially since they've got, got the promotion to Double A. Uh, you know, and then there's there's relievers like Corbin Klaus who I I'm I'm high on, and I think should should very well see time in Atlanta next year. Who I think is one of the better relievers in the farm system. Uh, just guys like that, they're just they're doing well. Uh, there's other guys who aren't performing as well, um, but those aren't necessarily particularly high you know names in terms of you, when you think of prospects anyway. So the, the Braves guys are performing are performing well. They're, 
that no one's gotten hurt, which is the biggest thing. You know, the last thing you uh, Brian Acuna had a bit of a scare where he took a like a pitch up and in and it, got, it hit his hand and. You know, there there were people wanting to jump off a cliff because they thought he had broken a hand, a bone in his hand. But he missed a game and then came right back and you know went like two for five or something like that. So he just you know, he's fine. Um, you know, again, he's not hitting four hundred out there, but I think he's hitting close to three hundred right now. And you know, he's he's just doing the things, normal things that Ronald Acuna does. He's doing great. Uh, Alex Jackson though has been the biggest surprise, although the reports on his catch on his ability behind the plate have been uh, mixed at best. Yeah, and that's that was that's probably the bigger concern. But you know, he's uh, one of only two guys in the league right now that have three or more home runs. So that's you know, it's pretty good to talk about. It's again all this stuff. Is he did, and he, well, and he did it in four games. Like he was like it was like a really yeah. hot streak. So if he keeps it up, that's great. Um, catching, you know, I've I've heard good things about his catching. I've heard bad things. When I saw him, he looked okay uh, when he was at Mississippi and. The pitchers seem to like him a lot too. There's things about catching, you know, in terms of footwork and things like that that I think some scouts put a lot of value on in terms of, you know, footwork and being able to set and throw runners out. But for pitchers, it's kind of, you know, like, you know, how you stick your glove, your receiving skills, how you call a game. And I got a lot of positive reports on that end. And for a guy who hadn't called, who hadn't caught since high school, that was a, that was, that was a big plus for me. And because I think that's one of the hardest parts of it. So I'm not one to like say he's never going to catch in the major leagues or anything like that. Uh, it, it's not all going to be great the first year back. And I think that he certainly exceeded my expectations. Uh, if you know, but maybe not by as much as some hope had hoped. Yeah. Just not being terrible is a thing that's super yeah. noteworthy for when you, when you haven't caught in as long as he hadn't caught, it's, uh, it's going to be progressive. Like you're going to have to see um, how that goes long term. But the fact that he's not, you know, we're not hearing that he's awful is uh, is good. It's kind of all yeah. you, that's kind of all you could probably reasonably ask for uh, with this kind of small sample that he's been working with after not catching for so long. Um, obviously, yeah, keep keeping it locked to talking shop for AFL stuff. Um, I admit I am not super dialed in on the AFL, which is why I'm asking you. But uh, yeah, we do. Our guys are on it. I promise. So uh, we're we're, we're yeah we're freaks of nature. We got we 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 have stuff for you if you need it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, only other bit of baseball news. I mean, there's the arbitration stuff is coming shortly. But we're not yeah. quite there yet. Uh, Ian Kroll was outrighted to Triple A Gwinnett as well as Armando Rivero. Uh, Ian Kroll was kind of a disaster this year after being very good in 2016. Um, he was probably the single biggest disappointment that I had in bullpen. You know, other than I guess Jim Johnson falling apart was bad, but uh, Ian Kroll we thought was going to be solid at least in 2017. Like he was a no doubt guy on to be in the bullpen all year, and he was just very bad. So it wasn't a huge surprise that he was outright. Is that I mean, as a situation where we were kind of giving up on him at this point, or is, is there a path for him to sort of be a guy again uh tough to say uh you have to keep in mind there's a lot of roster decisions with the with the rule five draft coming up and the winter meetings and things like that there's just a lot of roster things that have to happen uh kroll seems like one of the easier ones to make that you know getting him off the roster because i don't think he's gonna get picked in the rule five draft or anything like that and i don't think you know, teams are gonna try to pick him up uh so a guy like that you might want to stash at Gwinnett. uh how he gets back i don't really know i mean it depends on i mean aj minter is there now you know what i mean and everyone knows how good he is now and you know how the rest of that bullpen fills out will be will determine whether or not he can get back. It's just it's just very weird with Kroll because like he was pretty bad in Washington. Um, he was he was really bad in Detroit, and yep. then basically just had this out of nowhere renaissance in 2016. And even the peripheral, it wasn't like he was just bad bipping him his way to being good. Like all the peripherals were good. Struck out to walk was good. Best of his career, all that fun stuff. And then this year, it's kind of like he just went back to what he was before that. Um, so. 
I don't know. You look at the track record and you're not super excited, but at the same time, you wouldn't have, no one, no one would have projected what he did in 2016. Like, even if you thought he was going to be a useful piece for the Braves in the bullpen, like he was legitimately, I mean, he had a sub three, sub three FIP, sub three X FIP in 20, in 2016. Like he was, he was very good. And now he's just kind of the guy that he used to be. He's still 26. So it's not like you just slam the door on the guy, but no, he's, not he, at all. he isn't a prospect either anymore. So it's one of those things like, I don't know, just yeah. keep, keep your eyes open on that, I suppose. But I, I wasn't blown away at all. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's it's all going to be about offseason moves. It just depends on who the Braves. If the Braves can go out there and get like a really good lefty reliever in some form or fashion, and fill out that bullpen with some more, I guess just more higher higher end guys with some more upside, uh, then it could be a tough time for Kroll. Uh, but if you know they can't really get those pieces, you know, signed for at a rate that they want and things like that, there's I mean, there's a chance he could be back on the club next year. You know, opening day. It just kind of depends on. Yeah. You know, it depends on what the moves the Braves make. But that said, it seems like the Braves are going to try to make the bullpen a priority, which is good because the, the bullpen has been pretty bad. Yeah, so. I mean, that was uh, you know, I, I know Copy on the record said that. Obviously, he's not there anymore. But I, I would imagine the Braves will still try to show that up because it was pretty, as you said, pretty much an adventure last year for most of the season. You know, I'm not sure you could have predicted Jim Johnson just being terrible, but that was only one guy. It wasn't like he was the only one that was bad in the bullpen. So. Yep, something to keep an eye on, and that's a good point that you're making there. Just sort of not, you know, be projecting the bullpen right now. It's going to be a lot of shuffling before that's uh, finalized. Um, one mailbag question that I wanted to get to before I let you get out of here, man, is uh, we got a question from WC Sanders three on Twitter, and he and he asked, "Do you see anything in Lane Adams' game that makes you think he, that he could break out with regular playing time?" And I, I will say this before I let you answer. Um, Adams will be 28 in November, so he's not super young. But I, I found that you know Braves fans really, really like him, which I understand. He was good in his limited time this year. But we, we get a lot of questions about Lay Adams, and I think people sort of are overrating him just a touch. That's just my opinion, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you disagree with me. Uh, in terms of regular playing time, the thing about Lane is like he has never displayed consistently, anyway, a hit tool that will play that will play in the major leagues. Uh, he can hit for power. We've seen him do it. He can run, you know, and he plays he plays well in the outfield. But in terms of making consistent contact on a net, on a day to day basis, I'm not sure if I see it. Uh, but the guy works relentlessly hard, you know. He, in terms of like take, taking the information that the coaches give him, the front office gives him about his opposition, he like he goes through and he digests that stuff. It just seems like he is the perfect fourth outfielder. He can play all three of those outfield positions. Has a strong arm, won't embarrass you anywhere. As a pinch hitter, he's never going to be bad. You know, he's not he's not he's certainly not gonna be embarrassing. He's not always gonna he's not gonna be like this crazy pinch hitting threat where you just have to like worry that he's gonna hit a three run homer every time he's up there, but he can. And you know, he that that versatility and his ability to be both like a pinch runner or a pinch hitter, play all three off, it's built you know, give give one guy give Ender a day off, give you know, right field, left field, he can give those guys days off and give them time, pinch hit if need be. He's he's a he's a great bench guy. Um, and if a guy gets hurt, you can play him out there. And again, he, he's not going to embarrass you out there. Uh, I just don't think he's quite good enough to be a regular out there. Uh, he, we kind of know what he is at this point. And in his career, being a major league regular guy on the bench in a good one, that's not bad. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the Braves have a couple guys on the bench that are uh, like, that I like as bench pieces because of the versatility and the fact that they are actually, they're not bad hitters. There's, I don't know if they're good ones, uh, you, you know, with Camargo and Adams. And I really, you know, hope I see a situation where like, you know, at third base, we have a guy who's kind of a dedicated third baseman who can kind of provide some things to line up that this lineup lacks. And then, you know, having, you know, an outfield that 
will hopefully not include both Matt Kemp and Nick Markakis because I'd like the ability to, you know, field baseballs. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and then have a have a bench with Lane Adams and Johan Camargo because then I can feel like, you know, most of the infield positions are covered in case something happens or if a guy just needs a day off. Yeah, I mean, I, I we pretty much agree on this. I, I think Lane is fine. I think he's a major league baseball player, and uh, yep. he was good in a small sample last year. And um, you just don't – I can't see a scenario. I mean, a lot of people were asking if he just has a, has a track to uh, being a starter like next year if for some reason uh, they were to move off Marquecas or Kemp and not promote Ronald Acuna. And, uh, that, 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 he's not beaten – no one's going to stop Ronald Acuna from taking a Yeah, job, that, that's the thing. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just don't see a – I mean, I understand. You, you have to say – You'd have to grant me that they either move both of the corner guys, which I think it seems pretty unlikely, um, or you have to say that like the Braves have just decided that they're not going to promote Acuna, which I don't know why they would do that. So the, the, the only thing would be service time considerations for yeah. Acuna. Now that said, an outfield of Ender Inciarte, Lane Adams, and Ronald Acuna. Color me interested. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. Oh, fact, no. I, I, mean, but, I, would, I would prefer that to watching either Kevin Marquegas, but it's, I just have a hard time believing they're going to be able to get off both those guys in one winner. That's my whole thing. I could be wrong. I mean, moving both those contracts is just going to be a it's nightmare. Tough. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to have the new GM basically have – you know, go to ownership and say, "Look, we're you're gonna have to eat. You have to eat a bunch of money on these guys. Like, there's no scenario in which you're gonna actually get off both of them without eating a ton of money." And you know, Liberty. You know, I'm not I'm not as negative on Liberty as a lot of people seem to be at this point in time. But at the same time, like, I have a hard time believing they're gonna suddenly pony up the you know probably twenty plus million it's gonna take to get off those guys. I just don't see it. It seems unlikely. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of people who like to talk about the fact that, you know, technically speaking, Liberty is not supposed to have any hand in baseball decisions. Uh, I, 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 I question how much of that's actually true. Uh, you know, it's, you know, they, they, people talk about their ownership agreement and all that stuff. And I, I understand what the point is, is that, you know, like it's logistics. Yeah. Yeah. It, but if Liberty media says we don't want this, mo- we don't want these guys as dead. We don't want this, these guys dead money. They're going to be on the roster. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, there doesn't have to be a you know an official memo put out about that. You know what I mean? And it's it's a tough situation because I mean Matt Kemp started off the year great and then he fell off a cliff. And Nick Markakis is Nick Markakis, and they're 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 gonna have to. I don't know who would t- what teams would take them at this point. It would depend on how much t- money the Braves were willing to eat. And it gets back to what you're saying is how much would the Braves have to eat to get rid of them versus how much the money period. The, the ownership is willing to eat, um, and I don't I don't have a good answer to those questions. You know, if you know, can you find it? If you can find a team that will you know take Matt Kemp and we only have to pay down a third of his salary, you know, we we have there, you know, that's that that's something. I just don't think that any team in their right mind would know would say we'll pay we'll pay any amount of money for these guys no. plus give you give you a return. There's no, just, there's I mean, too much. There's just too much to lose there. Yeah, you can't even. Uh, Marquegas is different because it's one year, and he's you know what he is. I mean, I don't think he's particularly good, but you know, like a team traded for Nick Marquegas would at least know what they're getting. They're going to get a guy who gets on base and he'll hit around two eighty. He'll yeah, hit double. He he's he's a useful baseball player. Uh, he's overpaid at what he currently makes for what he can do, but at least he's projectable. So if you know if the Braves can give him away and pay, you know, half of his salary, that's that would be a win, I think. 
Um, but Kemp, you have two years, and teams don't know what you're getting. I mean, he has higher upside, obviously, because the bat. I mean, we've seen when he gets hot what he can do. But it's it's two years. It's double the money per per season. Like it's just an adventure. So all that all that back to say with with Lane Adams. I just don't see a situation where he's a starter on opening day unless something just wild happens. But if he's your fourth outfielder, you're in, you're in fine shape. He's he's fine uh, to do that. And I think uh, we're all hoping that Cunha will be around. And uh, you know, there's no shame in being beat out by Ronald Acuna. Let's just say that. No, no, not at all. Uh, he's definitely. The top guy I'm looking forward to seeing in spring and kind of seeing how well he does. So I think you're speaking for everyone there, my friend. Uh, um, everyone, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, sir, for joining me. As always, this isn't quite as long as our marathons have been in the past, but uh, that's what happens when uh, things don't break in time for us to do a podcast. But it was nice to, <sighs> nice to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, please plug anything else, Steve. Like, I mean, we've been talking about talking shop uh, regularly on the pod, but if you have anything coming or tell people where they can find you, all that stuff, I, I imagine they already do. But uh, if they if they don't, by some miracle. Yeah, but at this point, you probably know that you know you can follow me on uh, Twitter on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. Uh, you can also follow the minor league podcast that we are doing relatively intermittently at this point uh, at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Um, in terms of the offseason coverage, we're going to be doing the AFL coverage twice a week. Uh, the Garrett's going to be cha- spearheading that. Uh, there's going to be little sprinklings of draft coverage here and that. I know Matt's already you know Matt Powers is already kind of looking into what's going on with the draft and things like that. Uh, I'll have intermittent articles coming out uh, in terms of minor league stuff. Uh, I hope to get some more interviews done. Uh, I interviewed Colby maybe a month ago, uh, and he's he, he's great. And, you know, hopefully I might be able to, once these guys kind of have a little time to get into their offseason, uh, the, a lot of guys, they left instructs last week, and, you know, with the guys in the AFL too, I kind of want to give them some time to actually, you know, enjoy life away from baseball and having to deal with people like me. Uh, but the biggest thing is going to be right after the winter meetings, once we kind of know what's going on uh, between the investigation and the Rule 5 draft and you know what, any trades that might happen in the winter meetings, uh, that's when it's going to be prospect list time. Uh, so sometime in December, uh, be expecting uh, another top 30 list coming out from us, uh, organizational list. Uh, it's going to be the same way that we always do it. You know, The four of us get together and we basically yell at each other until we figure out a list that works. <laughs> For sure. Keep an eye on that. And uh, thanks as always, my friend, for joining me. Not a problem, man. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and all those fun places. We're also at SoundCloud. And of course, every episode's on TalkingChop.com. So check that out. And uh, yeah, we'll be here. Oh, by the way, before we get out of here, Eric, please give me your World Series prediction. I, I apologize for not asking you for this first. Give me, give me your prediction on the World Series. I've got the Astros in seven. Ooh, I like this. Uh, uh, that. Their number seven hitter could hit cleanup for most teams in baseball. Uh, I, I line up that deep, you know. I'm not the the pitching for the Dodgers is better. It is, <laughs> but because basically any rotation has Clayton Kershaw that can run out there twice, you know. But I mean Verlander's pitching out of his mind. You know, Keuchel's you know still good, and you know Lance McCullers has kind of had his Madison Bumgarner moment the other night, and you know despite throwing like 24 breaking balls in a row, I think to close out that game, which is Ooh. wild. Yeah, that is. Wild. Yeah, it was like yeah, there was no fastballs in there. It was all it was all curves, and he, <laughs> he got the job done. But you know it. I, I really like that Astros team. They're 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 young. They they can pitch reasonably well when they can hit the ball a ton. And I desperately want Jose Altuve to win MVP this year. I really I think he's been fantastic for them. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the Dodgers, but I, I'm actually I think I'm probably rooting for Houston. I just think the Dodgers are just a touch safer, and you know they're they're the betting favorite. Houston's pitching is just more volatile. But if listen, if, if Verlander is what he's been. 
uh, in the playoffs, then Houston's going to win the series. Yeah, uh, th- these teams are pretty evenly matched. They are. They're pretty tight. Then there's a lot. I mean, I'm just not willing to bet on Yasiel Puig keep doing his stuff to, for that offense to keep going. But I, at the same time, lots of fun things can happen. You know, Kershaw could easily throw a no hitter. You know, it's there's a oh, lot of really sure. fun young players, and that it's it's the right kind of baseball to watch. And definitely, you guys just watch the games because there's a lot of young players on both sides that are just a ton of fun, and you're going to be seeing him play for a long time. Yep, it's going to be awesome. So that, that fires up on Tuesday. Uh, thanks again, Eric, for joining me, man. And uh, everybody else, we'll be back again, uh, hopefully next week, with some fresh information. And uh, at the very least, we'll always be here at something break. So stay tuned for the podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.